to our Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. This week, we conclude our series on racism with a conversation between Kevin Meyer, lead pastor at Wyzetta Free Church, and Rob and Lisa Compton, members of the church community. Rob and Lisa will share the story of how their family's study of racism went from a conversation to action. Well, we've been in a series of conversations on a very important topic, so I want to welcome Rob and Lisa. Um, Let's talk about racism. And today, I don't want to just talk about racism. I've had people since I've started these conversations uh, where we really want to talk with humility and honesty, but courageously about things that sometimes are difficult to talk about, sometimes even from the pulpit. I've had people say to me, let's stop talking, let's do something. So we've kind of come to the end of this series of podcasts and specifically on racism. And that's why I'm excited to have you, Rob and Lisa, as guests today, because I really want to explore your story. And so I thought I'd just begin by, um, I I thought people would want to know um, why you're experts on racism. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're super experts. (laughs) I think I think if you uh, if you take the definitions that the experts will tell you that an expert takes uh, expertise takes ten thousand hours to develop, um, we're at, we're at like the half percent level here. Um, <laughs> okay, so you're not even getting an hour in, or are you saying or you're you're in those first stages? Yeah, early stages. But I, okay. I think you know I think uh, we have um, some personal experience that we want to share with, that has just we've been really blessed by and just want to say at the outset how much um, we've appreciated the previous podcast and your conversation with uh, Rob Vischer. And I don't think uh, he would claim any expertise uh, around race either, uh, but we've really appreciated his expertise specifically around some of the legal history and, and that has really gotten us, gotten us thinking. Good. Well, you know, I'm interested to find out um, more. Um, what motivated you to start racking up hours to do something about this? Yeah. Uh, so you've done these podcasts with uh, Dr. Vischer, but um, I don't know, maybe it was about a year ago that he came and talked at, at Wyzetta Free. He shared a couple of things that really got my attention. Uh, he talked about how, he said, how frustrated would I have to be in order to walk out onto Interstate 94 and stop traffic Hmm. just to try to get somebody to listen. Uh, And then he went on to talk about um, some of the legal history around racism. He talked about redlining of uh, communities to make FHA loans unavailable to black people, real estate covenants, I thought that black people just didn't want to live in the suburbs. Kevin, this is how ignorant I have been. This whole thing has just been, uh, it, it's been mind blowing for me. Mm-hmm. So my motivation uh, is to be slightly less ignorant, uh, a little bit less self-absorbed than I have been for, for the last 30 years of my life. And uh, I want to say also that Part of this process for me has been getting in touch with a good friend of mine who works with the Crew Lenses Institute. Uh, they bring uh, black and white Christians together in, in dialogue. Uh, I want to let Lisa talk, but we'll, we'll talk about how all of this is, has led us into fellowship with, uh, with Zion Baptist Church. A, a black church in Minneapolis. Yeah. 
Yep. Right. So, um, so we're three white people talking about this, yes. and yeah. I, and I want to just make that clear, just because um, we are, as I have found, um, there has been a sense as I've talked to some actually black pastors, even a black couple of black people in our own church, they they've kind of said, you know, we don't want to do some of these. We just really want um, you guys to begin to think about it and 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 come to some understanding. So, Lisa, um, what's your thoughts around this? So a lot started also for my Rob when Dr. Vischer visited Wyzetta Free, and I was just as surprised as Rob at much of what he shared, Um, kind of some of the in-between history facts that we didn't learn in American history. Um, And I love history, and I've studied it in college, and I taught my kids because we homeschool. We just did African-American history, and much of what Dr. Um, Vischer shared was new. So I wanted to know more, and I was super thankful that he suggested um, as a first resource to read Martin Luther King's Jr.'s letter from Mm -hmm. Birmingham jail that he wrote in 1963, Um, and he wrote it as a response to a group of white clergy who had opposed his nonviolent methods of civil disobedience. So it was pretty fascinating to me and pretty convicting what, what in the letter, were there things you can kind of share that, that convicted you? So in 1963, he wrote the letter, but it was sounding very similar to many things that are being talked about today. So two things he said. One was he was speaking with the white community that they were more concerned that there were demonstrations causing disruption in the community. They were more concerned about that than they were about why people felt the need to demonstrate. And again, that was similar to what Dr. Vischer said about wondering what it would take to stand in the highway to stop traffic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he went on to say something that was very convicting, kind of from my historical past thinking. He said, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block is not the KKK, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice. And he says, we will have to repent, not merely of the hateful words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. Mm-hmm. And the silence of the good people part, that hit me pretty hard because all of my years of studying history kind of always wondered if I would be someone who would help the Jewish community during World War II. Would I have been found with Jewish people hiding in my basement or would I have stayed silent and safe? And so his comment, silence of the good people really hit home for me. Yeah. So, so was that kind of motivated you? Um, here's the question people are asking, what do we do? I know in your case, you began to start praying and, and listening and, and it actually led you to a, a black church and with your kids to look at a worship experience there. Um, I, I'm wondering what your thoughts were about that worship service, your kids response. I know you have what, 15 kids? Yes. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it only feels like fifteen. Oh, okay. Uh, we uh, we have five kids, uh, ages eleven to eighteen, and uh, and it was just such a blast uh, to visit uh, Zion Baptist the first time, and with this gaggle of kids, and so it is a, a historically black community there, and um, they were so gracious and so welcoming. We had been uh, doing a lot of reading, and kind of what crystallized it was that um, 
our our oldest daughter had a school assignment to attend a worship service mm. with a with a different worship tradition than our own. And that's kind of what led you to go. Let's let that be your first step. It kind of just naturally came in your in your schooling process. What was the experience like? Yeah, so Zion, uh, it's a it's a small church. Uh, they have a small choir with a with a big voice, wonderful music, strong sense of community. A uh, strong sense of interdependence, a uh, sense of God's spirit moving there, multiple people uh, getting up and using their giftings within the worship service. Some differences like uh, they have an apostolic ministry. What what struck me was not so much the differences, but how much we have in common. And so everything that we have experienced at Zion, and we've been there uh, several times now, has been undergirded by scripture. Pastor uh, Dr. Brian Heron, uh, his wife, Minister Rhonda Heron, preached the word of God from the Bible. And it's not the black Bible, and it's not the white Bible. It is uh, the, uh, the same Bible that we all use. Uh, it's Christ-centered, it's evangelical, and Maybe one of the most refreshing things for me uh, personally has been watching Pastor Heron uh, as, a, as a former city council member. He cares about his flock, and he cares about the city of Minneapolis. And I think um, for white evangelicals, we, we kind of have this argument around personal responsibility as an, as an emphasis versus social justice. And, and for, for Dr. Heron, social justice is our personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's been just a great thing to be around. So Lisa, when you, when you kind of um, were there, what, what, what were some of the reactions that you maybe had or your kids had? Uh, you know, our kids actually rolled with the punches pretty well there. The service had a different feel from ours. And it was a little long, it was two hours long, which we didn't expect either. So they actually were pretty good troopers about that. So uh, one thing that came a few weeks later though, is our oldest daughter was at youth group and she was asked, um, she was going off to college and before she left, her leader asked her what kind of community she wanted to create for herself at college. And it was a pretty neat answer. She, she wanted to um, create a community of people who take risks. And she said she meant by that she wanted people who were willing to leave their Christian white evangelical bubble and meet people of different backgrounds. So I think Zion may have had a little bit of influence there, that visit. Sure. Some of the other things we've done. That was neat. Well, it's interesting you kind of say that because when I began doing these conversations, a wonderful black woman in our church um, who I was asking for wisdom was even asking if she'd be willing to share. and, And she kind of said, no, this is really your job to share um, and, and so she asked me a very convicting question. Um, she just said, do you have any black friends? And, you know, my response there was sure, because I do have black friends. And, and the second question really was off-putting. She said, do you meet with them regularly? And I hesitated and thought about it. I said, no, um, I don't. You know, I'll see them sometimes at our church conferences or other things such as that. But she just said really sweetly to me, why don't you start there? And so I ask you, what, where did you start? You, you went to the church. Tell us more. Yeah, I love this emphasis on relationship uh, and, and think about social justice. 
in, in one of the previous podcasts, uh, Dr. Vischer talked about justice as a relationship. And I'm in the same boat. Uh, I, I don't have close friends of color. Uh, that's, that's very convicting for me. But we also uh, don't get to show up after years of segregation between black and white churches. And, and as white people say, uh, here we are, we're ready to be friends now. Um, Lisa and I have been moving very slowly with this. Uh, we recognize that there's profound pain there uh, and that African-Americans have to uh, carefully discern the motives of would-be white allies. And um, so we're trying our best to learn. Uh, we're trying our best to get it so that uh, our black brothers and sisters don't have to constantly try to explain themselves uh, to uh, people who don't understand or don't want to understand. And, and so how do you, you're going to get it. What does that, what does that mean? Yeah, it's meant doing our homework. It's meant reading. Uh, it's meant listening to podcasts like this one. Uh, it's meant connecting with reputable sources of information and analysis trying to understand the universality of the black experience in America. There, there are some common things that mm -hmm. we hear over and over again about the pain of um, uh, black people's experience. So you, you went and visited a worship service, a church, but you've actually done more than just visit there on a few occasions. Tell a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we've uh, we visited Zion Baptist. Uh, they've been incredibly gracious to us. Uh, their pastors have spent time with us. Uh, they have been willing to share their experiences of race uh, growing up. One of the pastors in Kansas City, one of the pastors here uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, and through uh, just this process of entering into fellowship, they have invited uh, us along with others from YZ Free to participate in a weekly prayer meeting uh, that has involved people from Zion Baptist Church. It's involved people from Faith Baptist Church, another predominantly white church on uh, sort of the north side of Minneapolis. And then a number of folks from YZ Free have been going uh, uh, now for several weeks, and it's just been uh, a complete highlight of of my week. Yeah, well, I have to say, um, I when I I was in kind of a COVID lockdown for a while, but when I was able to come out of that, um, I had this desire to want to move faster. I think that's just kind of my nature is is to move fast, and and you guys helped slow me down, and so did others. And I, what I loved about what Pastor Heron and Pastor um, Pastor Brian and Pastor Aaron, those two pastors down there, it was kind of like, let's just stop, stand around our parking lot or around the park that's next to it and be six feet apart and pray. Let's just do that for an hour on Mondays and let's see what our talking to God and in that time with one another, God begins to lead us to do. Um, I, I just want to ask you, what changed for you guys after the killing of George Floyd? What's, what's God been doing in your heart? So we, uh, we were so grateful to already sort of be on this journey um, because we were able to sort of 
get some insight into how uh, some of our uh, sort of new friends at Zion Baptist were processing it. Uh, we heard uh, Dr. Heron clearly condemn the violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so even we, as, as a black pastor, he's standing up and saying the violence is not the approach. He was that- out, yep. He was out peacefully demonstrating uh, day after day. And he and others from the African-American community stood against rioters to protect the community immediately around that 38th and Chicago area where George Floyd was killed. At that point, we had read enough to understand some of the frustration that can lead to violence um, and, uh, and, and begin to ask uh, questions like, what is the value of a human life? What is the value of a black life or a white life made in the image of God? I'm trying to be super responsible with my, my words here. I think there was criminal behavior in the days following the killing of George Floyd. And I don't believe that burning and looting uh, in the city of Minneapolis accomplished what could have been accomplished by, by the peaceful demonstrations staged by the vast majority of black and white citizens. And, and yet, I want to I want to just say that I have some understanding in terms of I would trade the material loss of the of the riots for the life of one of my own children. And and so so maybe I can begin to understand how somebody would be frustrated enough and feel enough pain to to resort to some extreme means. So so you're you're what I hear you trying to parse out clearly here is you don't condone the violence, but you understand um, what can bring a person to that point again without condoning it. There's an understanding of that. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. What have you seen um, with regard to um, any momentum, um, any development uh, census? Yeah, I, I think um, the the uh, the murder of George Floyd has just um, uh, electrified our community, um, and and so there's been just tremendous momentum that. Uh, that I think we have seen uh, gathering in the wake of this. Um, that was uh, the genesis of the prayer group on Mondays with Faith Baptist and with Zion Baptist. And so it really does feel like we're doing something. Okay. Uh, we're, we're praying and prayer is work and prayer makes a difference. And through that, we're forming relationships and uh, so that that's just been uh, an incredible. And prayer takes time. Um, you're driving down there, the time to be there, and it, it it's a cost and a commitment. And and you have to really believe that prayer is actually making a difference. Have you seen other things, um, Lisa? I'll just ask you any other areas where you've seen some momentum. All over the world, people are waking up to understanding racism more. And what was neat was so many people are talking about on social media, and with that, I had a friend who posted about a book I wanted, I had been wanting to read. So I asked if she wanted to read it with me and did she know anybody else who would like to read it with us? And the momentum was really neat there because eight ladies said yes Mm -hmm. to reading the book right in the middle of COVID. It was kind of a special sweet time where none of us had anything to do Mm -hmm. and God just gave us all a 
one day a week available for the last, I'd say, 12 weeks. So we came together and they said yes to the book. Um, and part of forming that group was that their hearts came ready to learn. And we very much were a group of white ladies, mostly. Um, and the rules were we agreed to be awkward. We agreed to say all the wrong things, ask all the questions that normally people don't ask out loud. And it was a hard book because it was all the things kind of relearning or reframing lots of hmm. conversations about racism. So we read that book, what it was like to be white, um, learning that. Um, but then also after that, we watched a documentary about racism in the church, mm -hmm. um, beginning from American history until today. So that got even closer to home, hitting some mm -hmm. conviction there. So it's been a sweet journey to go with these ladies who are also the momentum and the, it's like scales have been removed from our eyes in a way that all of us are perplexed. We didn't understand or know, but we're learning, relearning together. So how have your friends responded to what you guys are doing? Are there positives or negatives? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I have friends who see things the way I do. I have friends who see things very differently. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and I've appreciated the responses on both sides. And what I've really appreciated, like Lisa said, is the willingness to have some awkward and difficult conversations. There's, there's a lot of defensiveness that can spring up around racism. If you've ever been caught saying something that reveals your own personal racist ideas, and, and I certainly have, uh, you, you don't quickly forget how uncomfortable that is. Um, and so that temptation to be defensive is very strong. And um, so agree or disagree, I've really appreciated uh, friends who have been willing to, to dialogue. So, so in a sense, for the most part, you, like all of us probably are identifying people who, because we're in a very polarized time. In fact, I'll be doing the next couple series of podcasts on let's talk about the election. And I don't think you can talk about a more polarized nation around political stuff. And at some point we want to do a podcast around, let's talk about having these tough conversations, especially as Thanksgiving and Christmas and those things are coming up. So you're finding that even in your own friend group, how do you handle the negatives? Um, because um, I mean, I'm sure part of what we're trying to do is how do you stay in conversation when you are in different positions like that? So, so disagreement uh, is not inherently negative. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can get into some loggerheads. Um, I guess what I want to say, though, is mostly it has been positive uh, in the sense that we're having dialogues that we weren't having a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm clearly not the expert. And so, yes, I have friends who disagree with me, but they're helping to move me along the journey. Uh, they're helping to refine uh, some of the things that, that, that I'm learning, they're helping to uh, weed out um, uh, some self-righteousness that can spring up. Mm -hmm. um, by having the conversation, by getting some things out there in the open, we can leave behind uh, uh, some of the, the shame that we have around some of our own racist ideas. It's impossible not to have racist ideas. And uh, we can move together into, into forgiveness and healing, both for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters in the, in the African-American community. 
Well, I, I just really appreciate you guys taking time to do this and to um, step into this and to be able to hear a story. Um, a story is your story. Um, people can agree or disagree with it, but this is how you have seen God working in your life in, in this. Uh, I just would ask you in a sentence, um, what would you tell uh, people who are listening? What, what would you say is your greatest aha moment you've had over the last uh, year, maybe less than a year it's really been? Uh, for me, I'd say the aha moments um, actually have been flying at me all summer. <laughs> so it's not just one, but pretty much everything I learned. It's lots of reframing the conversations I have about race, uh, listening and learning, especially um, I like to do. So learning to be quiet and listen and just watch. Uh, but some of my greatest aha moments have come when we have spent that time with our new friends from Zion uh, hearing their hearts, serving with them and praying with them. And like Rob said with uh, Dr. Vischer said that justice is relationship. So right. I love meeting new people. So this has been a great aha. Great. And what about you, Rob? Uh, yeah, I am continuously having aha moment, moments. One recent aha moment uh, came through a book called White Awake by Debbie Irving, who talks about how white is not a neutral color uh, by which we measure uh, all other shades of brown and black. Uh, European Americans have a culture and uh, we might be surprised by what people of color can tell us about how they experience uh, white culture. And um, so one of, my, uh, one of my greatest hopes is that um, through this journey, I can learn something from um, the black church in America about my own tendency to a judgmental spirit, uh, my own sense of entitlement to comfort and material wealth, uh, my own obsession with status and competition and achievement. I'm a very accomplishment driven person. Um, and, uh, and so trading in the kingdom of me for the kingdom of Christ. Well, I, I think that's an interesting way to say it, because in many ways, the kingdom of God is, um, as I said in one of the podcasts with uh, Samuel Wynonyi, is um, our identity is primarily in Christ. A skin color comes after that in that sense. And so that's what we're about is the kingdom of Christ and how do we live that in that way. And so I, I have to just say to both of you guys, I'm, um, I have been touched by what God has been doing in you, um, your movement and your steps um, towards uh, the black community, specifically in bringing um, us to a Zion Baptist and a faith Baptist and the prayer times has been um, something that has really moved my heart as well. I, I, I can't tell people enough of how um, it has been um, such a life-changing thing to hear our brothers and sisters pray their hearts out to God for their community, for our community as well, um, yeah. for the community of Christ. And, um, and I know that, and my prayer has been these conversations on racism will have moved the dial of understanding and awareness, but my prayer has also been that it will move the dial of, of a desire for people to, in some way, actively do something. And, and I think one of the first places to start is how can I be in relationship with, uh, with someone of color? 
I think that would be uh, an important thing where you can begin to not just read about it, but actually begin to, to get to know and understand um, how others um, think differently maybe than I do, have a different background. So I just want to thank you guys. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, yeah. Maybe at some point we'll come back and, and find out what the next few chapters have been. So thanks much. Appreciate it so thank much. You. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.